0: Welcome to another Crowdlinker Fireside Chat. I'm Aram Elkumov, the host. Thanks so much for tuning in. On the show, I'm interviewing product innovation leaders who are working on big industry disruptive problems from within large organizations. My guests have been in the trenches and have lots of practical advice to share about building quality digital products, staying agile, and fostering an innovation culture within enterprise. This is season two, episode two, and I'm here with Elon Ruscha to talk about his views on scaling product teams, creating innovative product programs, and becoming customer-centric. Uh, Elon is the co-founder and chief product officer of Gong.io, a SaaS solution that understands sales conversations and provides organizations with visibility into what works and what doesn't in sales and customer success. Before Gong, uh, he was one of the founders of Web Collage, a venture-backed SaaS in the uh, e-commerce infrastructure. Uh, he's a seasoned entrepreneur, investor, executive and product leader and we are all super super excited to have him on our show today so without further ado welcome and uh to our our show elon it's great to have you
1: thanks thanks for having me
0: awesome cool well let me just start off i wanted to um ask you about your early days at gong uh how did you get started
1: so uh great question so um i was at the time in, in sabbatical I think some my previous companies uh, recommended to everybody. And I met Amit, who is now the CEO and my partner in uh, Gong, and he just left. He was running a company called Sisense, a BI uh, platform. And in that company, he had this issue where sometimes sales didn't work out well, and they couldn't figure out why. Um, so they were listening to conversations, reading emails, and trying to understand what's going on. And they figured it out. But his team was, hey, does it doesn't make sense for people to like, manually dig into calls, dig into emails. Can we automate this? So. I was doing my own like deep learning thing at the time, and it was like, okay, it sounds like something we can automate, and that's how it all got started. So,
0: and what was the product able to do at, at the early stages? Like, what was your MVP?
1: It, it was it was very small, um, but still impactful, I guess. So it was able to record calls, transcribe them, and uh, give peop- other people access to the call and 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 share them and comment a little bit, maybe commenting on them. So it gave a basic collaboration layer on top of uh, video conferences. Webex initially, the first version, only did Webex. That was before Zoom became such a big. Oh wow, company. that goes back in time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> lots yeah. of things changed. Um, fast forward
0: to today, you know, from what from what I know, from what you told me, Gong is now two times revenue year over year. You know, you're going through lots of hiring. You're having a hard time keeping up with all the growth. What is the toughest part about growing so fast on the product side of things?
1: I think in general, growing is hard. Um, The toughest part is uh, making sure that the company operates um, at a certain uh, number of people, it operates high energy, um, certain culture, and as you sort of uh, hire more people, how do you make sure that, first of all, they just know what the company does, what they should be doing, how do you onboard them, but also how do you make sure that you keep the energy, you keep the independence, you keep the uh, hunger, you keep sort of the Mm -hmm. day one mentality, and uh, across a company that's already a few hundred people, not easy.
0: Was there anything that's really kind of surprised you or stuck out during this whole crazy growth you've been going through?
1: Um, I, I was surprised that you know we, we did uh, relatively early. We kind of created this operating principles, which are eight principles <coughs> can be find on our website. Uh, things like create raving fans, um, win as a team, uh, enjoy the ride, and it actually was it was pleasantly surprised that as people came in. Uh, these key key directions or key themes, um, we kind of manage to keep them consistent across a large number of people. So I think we still operate as as a cohesive unit that still has fun and still uh, thinks about customers as the number one thing. Uh, and you, sh- you shared with me previously your goal of going
0: from I think 24 product people in your team to a team of 39. Can you? Please kind of walk us through that process of how you're planning to almost almost double your team size by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, challenge number one is obviously hiring. And, and, and we can talk a little bit about like, what, what does it mean to be a product person at Gong? But essentially finding the right people. Um, we go through a pretty elaborate uh, kind of interview process, of finding the right people. I think we're already at the scale where we have group product managers who can onboard the PMs and then sort of also the product designers, UX people. Um, So it's mostly about making sure that as a new PM comes in, a new product designer comes in, um, we kind of manage this consistently with engineering so we can create pods of having, you know, PM and a designer and enough engineers so they can kind of run, take a new business opportunity, a new product, new product area, and move forward with it um, while making sure that you don't just, like, throw the new people at at it. So you got to, like, mix it. So you have at least maybe a veteran PM with a new product designer and a bunch of, like, more veteran engineers, or in in however way, so it doesn't become like this completely different company developing you know, something new. So.
0: And where where are you currently sourcing some of these high quality candidates from?
1: Um, there's we, we have. We had traditionally like two ways uh, to bring people. One is like um, tra- other SaaS companies, uh, people who've been successful at other SaaS companies, and um, either the companies have sort of become stagnant at some stage or just haven't been growing, and then sort of like here's an opportunity for a fast-growing, um, you know, kind of exciting company. Sometimes it's it's entrepreneurs. I got th- I think like four people in my team who've been CEOs before. Um, So it's like entrepreneurs, they kind of maybe want to build something, but not necessarily worry about funding and kind of all of the messy stuff. uh, Making sure there's coffee in the coffee machine, but actually get stuff built.
0: Right,
1: right. Not having to worry about being
0: the jack of all trades, the janitor, coffee supplier. Exactly. I get it. I get it. Um, What what do you think is like the main motivation of having, um, you know, new people join Gong right now?
1: um actually for the product team i think it's quite easy because uh, late, you know most recently in, in, there's a review site called G2 and Gong was literally named the number one soft best software product like worldwide so i think if i were a product person i'd be like yeah well first of all i give this a shot right it's better to be in the number one than the number two and the number three um, the way we work is is we're very we, we our DNA is very innovative so somebody who joins in we had a, a PM join us like three months ago and now she's leading a whole new direction in the product it's all about uh, assisted selling how do you help people prioritize their next task for the day so it's an opportunity to really build something that's really new um, mm-hmm. without worrying about I any mean, when we talked about CEOs without worrying about like being a janitor but also without worrying about like reaching customers because we have the customers it's about we still have to get design partners and get the right products out but without worrying about all the the headache that maybe a smaller company would have about just like getting even the basic product market fit just talking a bit more about the town
0: side you know hiring is tough it's always a challenge you know there and there are still companies like that aren't in gong's position where you have a lot of attention a lot of awareness around you um that just can't sometimes find or hire the right type of people what do you recommend for product for product leaders to do in those situations
1: um, first of all what the, the one thing I would not recommend is, is settle for uh, C players and ideally not even like B players because that's like a very very short-sighted uh, view um, so I think investing more in, in building a good recruiting pipeline um, which is not easy but it's like a you know talent of its own like how do you kind of make sure you, you are able to bring the right people you know worst case maybe um, Get one of the other people to sort of like at least kind of fill in for a, maybe an engineer can be a product manager for three months or six months, but mm. eventually you got to have professionals doing the jobs. Yeah, that's a certain point. Okay. Um, in, in your very
0: kind of sh- short period of time, in my opinion, in terms of the success that you've had, you know, you've become very internationally recognized. You're the number one sales product uh, tool, I think, in the market. Um, what is your team? What is your team doing better? or differently than your competitors? And what gives you guys the edge?
1: Yeah, I think um, if I sort of have to sort of, we have an operating principle at Gong in general that's called raving fans, which is how do you make impact? So I think from a product perspective, it's how do you internalize and how do you translate it into product work? So for us, every feature that we've we develop, we, we, we develop it hand in hand with the customer. And the thought process is how do I make a lot of impact? So we kind of thinking long-term, it's not about how do I answer the customer-specific request that they made two days ago, but it's like, what do I build that's going to change their lives permanently? Uh, And then working with them to do it. Um, So there's very few things that we do. It's like, hey, we thought it was going to be a great idea. And also we we do a very healthy mix of, yes, we're going to solve some tactical problems the customers have, but in many cases it's going to be like okay so this is your problem let us kind of think about what is the right solution versus the short-term kind of tactical solution once you bring mm-hmm. it out to market suddenly it makes like a big impact versus like tiny impact here or tiny impact in a different area and, and so can you tell me a bit more about these raving fans uh, i really want to know about
0: that about that more
1: it, it's all about um, when when you bring out um, uh, p- Product to market it could be a new module new feature what you want to have is people excited and excited not because it looks pretty it's because it kind of changes something that they do in their day-to-day life it solves a problem they didn't think it was easily solvable before um, mm-hmm. So if you kind of if this is your north star, you're going to be like you you can talk with the customer, and you're going to be like, okay, so what is where can I really provide help? And then you go back back and kind of build the stuff that is is making an impact. So one way we measure it is for NPS, right? NPS is for us, it's typically over seventy, right? So it's gonna it's it's, it's good. The other way, by the way, nice metrics is for a new product that we launched, uh, we asked the question, it's, it's been popular, popularized maybe a couple of years ago, how, um, how bad would you feel if we took this thing away? So we look at like percentage of people who are gonna say very dissatisfied versus somewhat dissatisfied or uh, kind of. And so I think for us, it's I think 80% of people are gonna say very dissatisfied or very disappointed. Um, so there's a way to measure it, but it's it's not about the measuring, right? Because you always fool the, the metric, it's all about uh, you know really creating this kind of deep impact. And how much
0: of your product roadmap is coming from conversations you have with your clients? And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you get, you know, feedback coming in from all stages of, of your organization. But how much is it, you know, coming in from, you know, the users directly? And how much is it self-driven? Like, I don't know, skunk works initiatives or experimental things that you're trying to see? Because, you know, going back to something Steve Jobs, I think, said, there's a quote. Let me get try to see if I get this right, is... You know, people don't know necessarily what they want at times and you know it's your job as a company to sometimes you know you know be that innovator and come up with something new it, i'd love to know if that any of that kind of exists in gong and like how do you do it
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of it we, we are in, a, in our mentality is always develop something that's brand new so not the current hill but what's the next mountain um, so initially we start with conversation intelligence, understanding conversation, and then we kind of morphed into revenue intelligence, which is understand the whole revenue kind of impact on, on the whole revenue stack. And in between we had coaching, complete coaching, and then things of that sort. So um, we, we try. I, I think realistically, what happens is we spend about half of our efforts or our time in in doing sort of the the, the expected stuff, which is keeping the lights on and, and tactical changes, features. Ideally, we'd spend like a quarter of our time building net new stuff, which is stuff that people ask about, but it's not like fixing, it's like really new, new capabilities. And the remaining quarter is is something that customers may not have asked about. Um, it, somebody has asked about it, right? So we didn't like just build it. So we, we we understood the customer enough to understand what the pain point might be. We recruited a few design partners, and we told them, what if we would build this? But it's not something any existing customer would kind of think that we should be building. So even mm-hmm. assisted selling, I mentioned this before, it's like tell the salesperson what they should be doing next. It's not something customers have asked for. Um, but we're like, hey, we're seeing the email, we know that you should be replying. You're not replying. 15% of the people aren't replying within a week. Why wouldn't we just mm-hmm. like tell the person just, you know, reply, please? It requires AI to understand yeah. this requires reply, but it's like it's basic, right? I mean, it's basic if you got the data and you got the AI and you got the, like the understanding of the domain. Uh, so yeah. we put a squad that's going kind to of attacking this this area. Mm-hmm. I was just wanted
0: to ask something. You mentioned something that sometimes in those situations, like you, you bring on design partners to work on it. Like, in what circumstances does that, does that happen?
1: Oh, at the time. <laughs> so the way we work is we have a part of you know PM and and, and designer and and and, and uh, engineers, and immediately the first thing they're going to do is find customer uh, people at the customer that are going to be like, yeah, we want to help you. There's nothing, there's nothing in it for them personally, but it, it's a fun process, right? We're not going to like waste our time, so maybe they need to spend like mm-hmm. half an hour every couple of weeks. And then, like, this is what we're going to be building. What do you think? And then maybe here's like a sketch. This is what we're building. What do you think about this? Or, oh, by the way, here's a Figma thing. It's like actually just some vision. <laughs> what do you think about this? Eventually, they're going to become alpha customers and beta customers and, and, and walk through the process. So it, it helps not just with the UX, but also like what's important for you. Why, what, what is this like solving an issue for you? And, uh, you know, many right. many cases where just like we, we we our initial hypothesis is wrong, but they're going to teach us where we where we found where it was wrong. Awesome.
0: As um. As a CPO, um, I mean it's a big role. Lots of things happening as a CPO. I'm sure there's things that you want to obsess over or perfect over, or some things that you don't care about. You know, to be done perfectly. Like, how do you bridge that gap in terms of like. Rationale around what to focus on, when, what time, priorities, um, because in your role as a CPO, you're really growing at the seams, and like there's lots of different initiatives going. How do you keep everything focused or on and on track? You know, as a leader.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think as a leader in any domain, uh, I think at some stage, if you want to be a leader, you have to understand that you're not going to, you're not in control of what's happening, right? If, if you try to control what's happening, people are not going to do their job. You're going to do their job. So I think this is like one-on-one. This is like leadership management, whatever you want to call it, one-on-one. Um, so I think you got to live with the fact that whatever goes out eventually as a product leader is not what you'd be developing if you were the product manager on the ground kind of doing this. So I think this is like, you know, I got some gray hair. This is something you kind of get over time. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't need to be involved. So where, where I get involved is things that are um, maybe could be in, in one of several buckets. It could be they are so strategic that I want to make sure we don't, um, we iterate fast enough or we don't make wrong iterations. We're going to fix it over time, but it's going to take a while. It could be it's just like newer, newer people, not necessarily yet, familiar with our personas or, or key problems so this is like where i can probably help or it could be areas with a lot of ambiguity where i think just like another person who's kind of seeing the whole picture can help dissolve some of the ambiguity so one of the three areas usually is there anything you i'm sure
0: you're in contact with other
1: cpos
0: in 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 the market and you talk you, you like share advice or whatnot is there something that you specifically obsess over that you care about more than others
1: um, I probably care more about a, a customer intimacy. So, um, so, like, so recently we've, I just, like, I personally, this is like, I don't normally like, um, this is me, but like one of the few, few things I've done, like personally, every new PM, when they join Gong, they have to speak with 10 customers before they get to work. So this is like, you gotta talk to them. I don't care how, how you get to them. It's like, yeah, I just walk down the street and find them. Um, so like, <laughs> otherwise you're gonna be like, yeah, this is my opinion. I don't really care what your opinion is. Like I don't care what my opinion is. I, I just care what these guys' opinion is. So I think it's it's like, it's not like you just got to do it. Okay, okay, it's
0: interesting. I I, I mean, uh, being customer centric and you know having an access or always communication channel with them is, is huge, right? Um. You mentioned something which I want to touch upon, which I thought was really interesting. Was, don't be obsessed with your competition. Um. What does that mean to you? What do you mean
1: by that? Um, By the way, Amazon did the same thing. I kind of read this somewhere unrelated to kind of our thought process for a while. I think, first of all, not everybody can afford this, right? There might be an industry that's like hyper competitive and you get to like all the time, like worry about features and maybe it's selling to IT and they got RFPs and RFIs. You got to check the mark, and so on. I think in most industries, especially SaaS nowadays, the buyer, the (laughs) business buyer, they don't necessarily care about micro features. Uh, if you want to focus on how do you maximize the value that you give to the customer. So if you, over time, you, you maximize that value, you're going to win because that other company is not going to, is not going to, or hopefully they're not going to do the same thing and, and not going to maximize that value. So if on the other hand, you're going to look back and you're going to see like, Oh, these guys did this feature. We're going to do that feature as well. Best case scenario, you're going to be like, yeah, there's going to be some parity, but you know, are you actually kind of solving a pain there? And, you know, if you are fine, but if not, then, you know, just like, It doesn't bring any value to customers. So the few dollars that you have, you got to put them in the right places and and it's always going to be, you always want to prefer like doing it where it brings value or, or you can like fake color areas. Like if a customer does something, it doesn't add any value, just do it very lightweight and just move on. Okay.
0: Being a leader now in the space, what do you think your competitors are looking at you for? In terms of, of <laughs> ambition and things like
1: that? <laughs> you know, I, I'm honestly, I don't, so I, I, don't, I don't like to talk about competition so much, nor do I spend a lot of my time kind of thinking about competition, nor do I want to speak on their behalf. I think, obviously, we're growing faster, and I think it's probably, you know, if I were in their shoes, I'd be like, okay, so what are we, what is gong doing better than a competitor that's kind of enabling us to grow faster? um mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for it's like how can we grow faster and i think it's unfortunately for any competitor it's a combination of you know the people the methodology sales marketing product D. so it's not like a one thing that they can just copy but you know, if i were them i try to like you know just like try to accelerate to be in the same position and you know mm-hmm. i'm sure that, that that's where their mind is at cool cool um I wanted to touch upon something
0: you mentioned before um, in terms of like how you prioritize what things to work on. So I think you mentioned to me that like a portion of your budget every year that you have towards products and roadmap and features, you know, might not always be considered like mission critical or to the business or, you know, maybe people aren't asking for it. But um, I wanted to get more understanding or maybe, you know, the audience can can understand a bit more in terms of like how do you plan strategically around these type of initiatives because like you don't you know that they're going to work you know successfully or not how do you track metrics like roi on these type of things um you know in our conversations that we've had with other product leaders like roi and product development is like something that nobody's figured out it's like a, a rabbit hole that nobody really knows how to address and things like that but I think it's always an, an interesting conversation to have because like every organization thinks differently about it. So, I mean, from your perspective, like how how do you measure success on on product development or like new um, new initiatives?
1: So, new initiative is always tricky, right? Because you're going to get the the uh, the outcomes are going to be very late, right? It, 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 if we start a new product now, we're going to see the results in. The, the real results in probably three years, right, maybe two years. Even if we launch it today, it's going to be the results in a couple of years. So uh, it, it's almost impossible. I think what we try to do and I think what we want to do is, is, well, I think, first of all, there's a little bit of analysis that I don't think requires, like, data in the sense of, like, how big is the market? Is this going to be impactful? So, like, if I create somebody to kind of lower lawyers in North Carolina, it just aren't so many of them, right? So, so this is mm-hmm. something you can do, like, off an Excel spreadsheet. But I think if you tackle a big problem, and I think that's, like, something you can do just based on business skills. Um, I think that the key is how do you iterate fast enough? How do you kind of find the smallest thing that you can actually put in the hands of customers? Some people call it like MVP. I don't like the term MVP, but it's more like, you know, just build some proxies around, you know, can, is does it solve something for you? Sometimes it's not easy. I mean, maybe it could take us a year to put something, but at least maybe show it to people on the way. Maybe there's some some smaller thing that you can put on the way. And sometimes it's a leap of faith that you have to sort of like, Mm-hmm. You know, show it to people. and If you had it built, would you would you kind of pay for it, and again and again and again, and eventually eventually you kind of uh, see see if they didn't lie to you too much.
0: And so, do you frequently go and present some concept to your target, like users or your paying customers, and say, Hey, would you pay for this?
1: My my preference is usually to do the, the um the more like um some people call it generative research, but whatever, it's just like the the asking what the pain is, what do they do. So if I went to mm-hmm. m- to multiple salespeople and they were gonna be like, Why well, you can you have no idea, I'm like spending hours and hours and hours doing X right? Uh, you know, I don't know. Writing meeting notes, whatever the thing might be, right? Okay, so at least I kind of know that this is a pain. Or, or each time I need to do this, I gotta do that, and then I do this, and then I miss this. And so I think if you find enough commonality about those things, I think you get confidence that the pain exists. Now, if the pain exists, I mm-hmm. think as product people, you can kind of know if the solution can can kind of, you know, can of have the pain. So if, if it's like, you know, drive okay. the car for me, yeah. I don't know, because I don't know anything about autonomous driving. But in software, you typically know, have a good sense of, you know, how well can you can solve the problem. So it's more about understanding the problem than it is about, you know, do you like the specific solution that we've, we've created? Okay. And just to, to add on that, say you get a list of problems
0: that come in, how do you ideate and prioritize what are, which which ones of them to work on first, and uh, you know, to execute on?
1: This is very, very hard. Um, I. I... You know, there's always a coin toss. I mean, this is like one method, Um, but if you try to be more rigorous than that, um, there's. No, I'm. I'm like, I'm not joking. I'm not completely joking because sometimes it's a little bit arbitrary. Um, Especially for us, it's a new. It's a relatively greenfield market, so it's always like. It feels like a kid in a toy store. It's like, do I want this? Do I want that? The decision is always going to be based on you know how far are we from that? you know do we have to like you know is, is it like cust is it the same buyer is it the same um customer first of all is it the same buyer mm-hmm. is it gonna be easy for them to add it on does it provide a lot of value how hard it is for us to sort of extend to that capability if we had to build like i don't know a, a hospital tomorrow it's gonna to be hard right um, we, we have no knowledge around this. So I think all of those combinations, together with of course, what's the market opportunity and how well is the solution going to solve the market, you throw them into a sort of a pot and you kind of steer and hopefully you come up with something that makes sense.
0: Other like, I don't know what your
1: committee looks like
0: or your team, but is there some sort of steering committee that like, you have that you're part of and who else is part of it in terms of who reviews these type of ideas or problems to work on?
1: In the end of the day, I mean, the the, the ultimate decision making is the executive leadership team, Um, you know, CEO, myself, the rest of my peers in the the C-level. But I think the process before that is there's a lot of like ideation, pre-ideation. It's like, you know, this is an idea one, let's kind of uncover this a little bit. So by the time it gets to a quote unquote decision, um, there's some clarity around does it make sense, does it not make sense. We don't write business cases. Um uh, but it's still, mm-hmm. you know, wanna like talk a little bit about what is the solution gonna look like, you know, how big it's gonna be. Sometimes we're gonna spend time like digging And So gong initially people thought we might go after contact centers. So we kinda took the time, spent a few days at conferences, spoke with people and understood this couldn't this would not be like a great market for us initially. So we decided not to do it. But it does take a few days to sort of like get to this realization before the actual right. decision decision is easy. The getting the uh, the sentiment is hard.
0: If you were to give any advice to anybody who's going to be listening, uh, product leaders or, you know, um, innovation leaders at organizations who want to create maybe a similar type of, like, initiative in their organization on how to foster these type of, like, quick, rapid type of um, initiatives from problem pain points from customers to, like, rapid, you know, MVPs or however you want to call them, what would be the best
1: practices that you would share? Probably two I would think off the top of my head. First of all is is creating some sort of an isolated team. Like for me it's so hard to like do something innovative because I'm so busy doing like 50 things my, my week is full so I can probably take an hour doing this and, and for other people even like you know anybody else in my team is kind of so busy delivering heads down that it's hard for them. So it's like first of all find a person who isn't like busy day to day and it's hard because well that person can't be just a new person, right? They got to know what's going on. So you either detach a person or there has to be some magic around that. Um, so that's like the process end of things and then kind of finding kind of going backwards from the markets like finding who the customer is and really really getting to understand their thought process so what's the, what does the day look like what are the problems they're facing and i think once that person understands the pain points and you know are they worth solving then you sort of present this as sort of like this is the building block this is the problem we're solving and this is like this is like i can talk to this and then it's like okay do we want to fund this it becomes a secondary question
0: what if in, in, the two, in the two tips there, what if like the, for, for one of them, what if they don't have like um, the capacity or the time to go and, you know, have like a, a committee, you know, uh, there, should you go higher for something like this? And what would you look for in the traits of those type of people?
1: Yeah, I would, I would in, in a heartbeat, I would hire like an entrepreneur. I mentioned my team; I got a bunch of CEOs. So I think yeah, like hiring somebody who's who's been an entrepreneur in some part of their life, I think they can, they have men, you know, kind of even if they didn't like formalize it, they have many of the skill sets. Um, so I would hire that person, maybe get them to kind of do some internal work, so they know the system, they know the product, they have some context. It's not like you know, find a new solution mm-hmm. anywhere, and then you know, kind of send them off to uh, to to kind of find your problems. Absolutely. They might be in the organization, by the way, so the ideas might be in the organization. Somebody just needs to collect them, organize them, and then validate them.
0: And so let's assume um, that you have a team member, you know, who's part of this uh, committee and say they're like a product manager. You know, oftentimes we've heard from certain organizations that we spoke to that their PMs feel quite restricted, out of the loop, don't have the authority, you know, to do certain things. At Gong, I mean, you you obviously have a proven successful formula for this, but how do you empower your product managers to really take charge and make the decisions? You know, whether autonomously, independently, like how how do you how do you give them that um, freedom or that charge to uh, to be successful?
1: Um, I, you know, our approach has always been, not always been, but like after a while, it, it became structurally in the sense that since, you know, I mentioned kind of the parts of like a PM and a designer and an engineering team, uh, we don't charge them with features. We charge them with like, you know, this is an area. So, you know, you guys solve the, you know, pipeline inspection problem. Somebody wants to understand which deals are going to close. You guys solve this problem and now they're autonomous by definition because they decide how to do it. There's still some back and forth. I call it the M or the W, so like, this is how we're gonna solve it. Hey, by the way, here's some feedback because there's more context, you know, bring it up. Maybe there's some quote unquote internal funding. It's, it's not a formal funding process, but there's some, you know, we as executives wanna at least feel like we're being heard, right? So it's like we kind of pay our tribute to, a, to this process. Uh, but in the end of the day, they own the uh, the, the execution and, and the thought process, and and I love it most when and I had those things. I'm like, yeah. So like I'm, you know, we have this meeting, and the PM is like, you know, blah 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 blah, and my statement is, I think it's that thing, and the PM is like, no no no, I spoke with ten customers, and they, they think that thing, and I'm like, yes, you know, and I can I can kind of go safely and when? find some other. I can go elsewhere. I don't need to be there. I don't need any value. So once you get to this point where the PM can be like, yeah, I know what the customers thinking, mind you, mm-hmm. Mr. Executive, go away. This is the best part of the uh, engagement. You mentioned
0: you don't do business cases, but what do you really like look for when the PMs come to you with an idea? Um, and you know, you as like the leadership team want to make a decision pretty quickly. You know, you mentioned one things like, okay, you spoke to the customer. Check. What are the other things that you might look for? You know, is it like give me like a rough uh, work back schedule or work effort required? Like. What are some of the things that you would you would need in order to just say okay, this is quantifiable enough for us to move forward with?
1: Yeah, we at Go, we tend to be pretty strong on on like product strategy in the sense that like we think we know where we want to be in five years. Maybe it's going to change, but at any point in time we feel like we 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 know where we're heading. So I think first the first question is, you know, is it part of our strategy? So if we are going to develop something that is not off our strategy, then it's like yeah, maybe it's a great thing. I mean, maybe a new gambling site is great, but it's just not us. Um, So I think that if it's in our strategy, it's already, yes, it's in our roadmap, we want to do it. And now we're talking priorities, so yes, it it becomes, again, you know, how big of a problem is it? Can we provide a good solution? Sometimes people skip the fact of, like, yeah, it's a great problem, but the solution is not going to solve it. There's still going to be a lot of, like, what is it, manual labor, inaccuracies, process, something Mm -hmm. that customers are going to need to do. So if there's a big problem and the solution can do it, yes, there's going to be, you know, how big is it going to be to build? we don't formalize this process, though, at this stage. Maybe. I don't think we will, but maybe we will one day. Okay.
0: Um, and in your pods, what does the pods consist of? Like, what what kind of unit or structure is in the team?
1: Uh, product manager, product designer, engineers, which could be anywhere from maybe two if they're just starting to up to maybe 10 if they are couldn't hire an engineer, a new manager or we couldn't, like, split the pod. So usually okay. somewhere between a four and a seven, I would say that's a typical number. Maybe five that's and nice. an eight, or four and an eight. And, and do
0: those pods report to like um, a product director or like a delivery lead? lead?
1: Engineers report to engineering manager. Um, product reports to a group product manager, and product design report to a sort of in a product design um, manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's separate, mm-hmm. but they kind of work as, they sit in the same room and they kind of work very uh, closely together. Okay.
0: When, when you look at other companies, is there anything structurally that you made different than is your own process or organizationally?
1: No, I think I I blatantly copied this from other other companies. So once this idea kind of came up and like I can't remember who told me about it, I kind of double checked it with other SaaS leaders and they also told (laughs) me this is like roughly what they're doing. There's always like nuances. So what do you do with a mobile app? You know, is this like a, you know, is this like split or not split? What do you do with security and some other like cross-functional things? But these are like, to me, like more like tactical execution things. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I've kind of, You know, I've seen it work in other places, so I'm like, I don't need to sort of doubt it again. And maybe there's nuances that we do, but overall the structure is the same. Okay.
0: I mean, on that note, I mean, is there any way you could share maybe some specific products or features or learnings that came up from some of your pods, you know, recently? Or that was like, wow, that was like a huge win. We did that well. And here's what we did really well around it. Um, If it's public, you know, I'd love to know if it's not, you know, feel free not to share, obviously. But I I mean, I'd love to know if there's anything that recently that was like a winning, you know, successful product launch that came out from like maybe an outfield initiative that was super successful and that you're really proud uh, of of the team
1: about. Yeah, I think the team did a phenomenal work on a product that we call deal intelligence, or we're going to call it deal execution soon, which is how do you uh, inspect a pipeline and deal and how do you get insights and, and, and guidance around managing deals. Um, it's been a long route. So essentially it even started with an equity hire of a company that kind of started there and their CEO became a PM wow. and et cetera. I think what's probably worth noting there. It took us a long while. It took us two years to develop it in you know kind of clock time. Um, probably interesting... I'm I'm a big fan of this idea that I mentioned is like when we when we had this question that pop up in people's like page, which is how disappointed you're gonna be if we took it out, that was actually more telling than we had thought. So first of all we got good numbers, which was good, and then we can kinda of slice in numbers, say, Hey, by the way, managers this this way, individual contributors this thing that way. And the last thing is is um is is we left an open area for comments. And turns out if you ask somebody, how would you feel if we took something away that's like cognitively hard? It's like, I'm using this every day. So we get like all caps, never take this away. We're going to throw gong away if you ever took it out. Or, oh, don't make it. Don't take it out. It's like, you know, this is the best thing we ever launched. And, and like all caps, exclamation marks. It's something wow. completely psychological that, that works there. I think other than just giving people a great feeling about what they've launched, it actually tells you a lot about how people think because they respond. So we found out this particular way of phrasing the question is uh, until like people start abusing it like everything else i think it gives people people give you honest answers versus i had big customers reach out to me it's like oh you really think of taking it out i want to chat with the product manager and explain why you, you should keep it in um so it was like a fun it's conversation
0: a, yeah and so in those moments the, the, what do you learn from those conversations you you know you try to to you know digest or ingest whatever things of how they're using the product maybe there's like something that needs to be you know optimized or maybe added upon to maybe Enhance it for him
1: or for her or who else? Yeah, I think there's two ways to kind of optimize a product, right? You kind of see what works and you sort of try to double down on that. So if somebody says, Never check it out, you know, I'm using it every day, you wanted to have this conversation. It's like, what are you doing every day? Sometimes you see like personas that you never thought about. It. Like, okay, so using it, it wasn't even built for you. Why are you using it? And then you learn, like, here's a new use case. And if people yeah. say, you know, I'm going to be mildly disappointed, it's like, you know, actually we designed this for you. Why are you only mildly disappointed. So maybe there's another tool that they're using, which is fine as well, but it's, it gives you the learning of like, so what do I need to do next to sort of make, kind of move you to this solution? Mm-hmm. Maybe I can't, maybe there's another solution that's good for you, and that's fine as well, but these are all great learnings. Mm. Okay, just a, a couple more questions,
0: uh, Elon some fantastic insights here. I wanted to ask, I mean, you're, you know, it's always something I always love to end with is you know, how do you maintain innovation at scale? Like, I know know we talked about how you're, you know, you have these structures and that you're growing and you're still like, you know, expanding different initiatives and things like that. But like the larger company you get, do you find that inherently over time things start to slip or how do you maintain that scalability of innovation of, uh, of approach? You mentioned before that Amazon is a fantastic company that is like one of the top innovation companies in the world. And they've obviously done something right. Um, What what are you going to do at Gong in order to make sure that innovation stays the same or grows, you know, when you double again next year and double again the year after that?
1: Yeah, I think the question is—is is, is, uh, I think the structural aspect. By the way, Amazon has a similar concept. They call it like a single leadership teams or something. Uh, whatever, it's like the same idea. And Jeff Bezos initially, you know, used this sort of the two pizza thing, which is again sort of like put a small team on top of it. Um, so uh, uh, structurally, it gives the facilities. I think we as executives need to make sure that we 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 can look at the, we look at the big picture and we sort of doing this whether it's twenty five percent or nineteen percent. You know, this is not the important piece, but there is enough going on into sort of those. Really innovative things. Now, if they don't happen, um, what could we do as, you know, as sort of executives to make sure they happen? And I think we talked about some of it. Maybe we hire new people. Maybe we f- almost like forcefully groom the the organization for new ideas. Maybe we err more. We don't have to sort of have eighty percent win rate. Maybe we just get twenty percent win rate. But at least I, I don't know what Amazon's win rate is. I'm sure, I'm sure it's not eighty percent um so we kind of uh, at least make sure that we, we 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 do some of this consistently and uh, right now it's built into our dna so i think it's not a matter of scale it's more of like how do you think about things uh, but hopefully we it doesn't change as we scale so this is part of my role awesome. in the organization
0: cool cool awesome that that was um that was great elon thank you so much i really appreciate your time today on on our show um For everybody listening, tune in next time to get more insights from other innovation leaders uh, at different organizations. So uh, looking forward to it. Thanks again,
1: Elon. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for hosting me.